distinguished professors, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to start with the way we greet the audience in Indonesian case by an Islamic greeting and also to non-Muslims as well as Selamat Siang for the good, uh, good, good afternoon. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Salam sejahtera dan selamat siang. First of all, I would like to extend my gratitude to the Merchant Center for International Security Studies, especially Professor Bill Liddell, for inviting me to be here. And I'm honored to talk to so many distinguished professors, scholars, and students on international security studies, Islam, and Southeast Asia, especially Indonesia. And Bill asked me to talk not as an observer, but as an activist. But I would like to admit that I am not a key player in Indonesian politics. I was in politics, and the, the dance rulers party, uh, Golkar, as a head of Department of Research and De uh, Development, and then as uh, Deputy Secretary General, but uh, I resigned from all political or practical politics. And now, maybe you are right, playing what I call it as uh, the politic of culture, politic kebudayaan. Uh, before coming into the focus of our topic, Islam and the new Indonesian democracy, especially on the future of democracy and the role of the Muslims, the Islamic organization in the country, I would like to, by the way of introduction, very briefly providing you with uh, new information about Indonesia, especially since the era of reform in 1998, that we experienced, Indonesia experienced for the first time in its history, direct presidential and vice presidential elections, and followed by general election, direct elections as well for the governors and for the mayors and head of district, we call it Bupatis. So really this is a in my opinion, mark a further process of democratization that had begun in the country uh, since 1998 by the collapse of the Suharto regime and also the collapse of uh, what Professor Bill Liddell used to say, the pyramid of the new order regime in Indonesia. And one of the most expensive ingredients of democracy has been given to the people is freedom. So political freedom and equality. And even excessive use of this freedom has uh, led the nation to a kind of political euphoria until now. And this is uh, maybe uh, would serve as one ob obstacle for a democratization process, the uh, continuation of the political euphoria among the, among the society. 
whether or not the decree of democracy in 2004 general election, direct presidential and vice president election, uh, as compared to the 1955 parliamentary election, which is called by many observers as also uh, democratic in Indonesia. But for sure, the national, direct national leadership succession in Indonesia in 2004, and which is followed, as I said, by direct election for the governors and the bupatis and both provinces and district, is uh, unarguably, in my opinion, against the right path of the democratization process. Uh, takes place in Indonesia. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the opening door for democracy, especially that provides political liberty and equality, has also encouraged the coming to being of many new political parties and social groups uh, in the country, and even the existing political interest groups that we had in the past, like the Islamic nationalists, even the communist socialists, have ramified into so many political parties. There were about 200 Muslim parties, or Muslim-based parties, prior to uh, 1999 general election, and then uh, there were only 22, uh, uh, validated by, by the, the team and the time. So, so the situation has brought the existing political interest group to remify, which sometimes create internal conflicts. And therefore, since the era of reform, we have witnessed in the country uh, various conflicts, both horizontal, between uh, groups of this, uh, in the society, like in Ambon, in Posu, in Samba, Central Kalimantan. And even uh, these conflicts uh, have religious nuances. I don't uh, agree with that. Uh, the conflict took place in Ambon, Poso, and Sambas, uh, as were uh, exposed in media, in the media, as uh, religious in nature, religious in motive. But maybe it's religious, uh, has religious nuances, since religion uh, uh, became main of justification to the permanent factors of the conflict. But also we have uh, in the country a vertical conflict between the people, the citizens, and also the, in the state, such as in uh, Aceh and also in uh, Papua. So the fragile nature of Indonesian society, uh, because of the political euphoria and the freedom uh, experienced by the, uh, by the nation, while Indonesia is also is forced to implement democracy, uh, became two main factors for the current situation in the country. But this situation was also added by international factor, especially especially since uh, 1911 uh, of September terror attacks on the United States and the way the world power launched. Uh, war on terror uh, through unilateral approach with a consulting to the Muslim world and making three mistakes in my uh, opinion. Number one, uh, attribution to Islam, all terror action to Islam, making generalization and also destroying the image of Islam. And really 
the way the world powers, the United States, supported, supported by its allies, especially the British and the Australian and others, uh, has hurt the feeling of the Muslims and then encourage Muslims react. And this is uh, one main factor, encourage radicalization uh, within the Muslim, uh, Muslim world, including in Indonesia as the largest Muslim country. As far as Indonesian Islam, and uh, allow me to use this term, maybe there is an objection to it, Indonesian Islam, that Indonesia, uh, brother from, <laughs> from Egypt, uh, from uh, Afghanistan, don't agree with me. Yeah. Islam is of course one, but I do believe it uh, could uh, have uh, cultural, many cultural manifestations. Because the affinity and uh, the relationship between Islam and the existing uh, cultural uh, cultural background within a given and respective uh, Muslim country, so Indonesian Islam, as uh, Bill has said, Islam uh, Indonesia's largest Muslim country. Uh, in the last uh, eight years since the era of reform in 1998. Uh, may observe as having at least three main uh, tendencies or trends. Number one, uh, we have witnessed the rise of spirituality, spiritual orientation among the community, especially since uh, 1980s. Maybe uh, this is the, the way of a segment within the Muslim community to respond to the repressive approach of the new order regime which uh, marginalized Islam and launched kind of depoliticization of Islams in the first two decades of the new order, 1970s, 1980s. And for the Muslims, uh, in this context, it's better to withdraw through cultural resignation, uh, through political resignation, but launch a kind of a cultural revitalization. So this kind of spiritual orientation continues until today. And maybe thanks to the uh, modernization process that have created material, materialistic tendency mode of life within the society. And many Muslims since then uh, adopted, uh, inclined to what I call it spiritual Islam uh, through the existence of so many Thousands of religious gathering, we call it pengajian or majlis ta'lim, all over the archipelago. And also they stick to Islamic symbolisms, but wearing the jilbab and also like uh, using the Islamic greetings on many occasions and many other religious or Islamic uh, symbolisms. This is uh, one uh, main and important tendency or trend within the Indonesian Islam until today. And even now, for the eloquent people, uh, urban society, for example, are inclined to this kind of uh, Islam, spiritual Islam. Okay. Uh, number two, the second trend in Indonesian Islam is a new model of Islam, uh, maybe called as outsiders labeled them as radical Islam, though as a I'm going to say I'm not, uh, I don't uh, totally agree with that. Uh, because of these groups, 
There are about uh, 40 to 50 groups with different names. Lashkar, maybe from the Arabic term, Lashkar, uh, Front, uh, Committee, and even some of them use also the football league, like the uh, Muslim league. So these groups uh, that uh, are called or labeled as radical Islam uh, cannot be seen as a single phenomena. Uh, they are also plural in uh, their orientation, and even uh, their theological orientation are also uh, vary from one to each other. So, uh, radical Islam cannot be seen as uh, radical in uh, in political sense because I don't I don't think from very close distance uh, I watch them uh, not having a kind of uh, social and political agenda for change. But uh, majority of this group fell into the category of ethical radicalisms because they have sensitivity, high sensitivity again, uh, many kinds of immoralities, how we call it uh, in Islam as munkarat. And even uh, they perceive the munkarat is organized munkarat. Al-Munkarat, Al-Mutanazzamah, maybe in Arabic, in Arabic term. You know. So, radical Islam uh, was also a product of reform, of the freedom uh, provided or given to the society since the era of reform. And there are also uh, groups that were supported uh, President Habibi in 1998, 1999, uh, who were demonstrating to the parliament complex to uh, sweep out about 6,000 leftist students who were occupying the uh, parliament complex at the time because they were rejecting uh, Habibi to be a new president, uh, replace, uh, replacing Suharto. But the supporters within the Muslim community of Habibi uh, created self-defense uh, militia, call it in Indonesian as Pam Swakarsa. And these groups uh, observed a dissent and then divided into so many Laskar fronts, uh, committees, and then were called uh, call it as uh, radical, radical Islam. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, these new groups which often di display a degree of radicalism in expressing their social and political agendas. For example, three uh, important ones, Laskar Jihad, Front Pembel Islam, Islamic Defense Front, and Majlis Mujahidin Indonesia, in Indonesian Mujahidin Council, and also the uh, global-wide uh, Islamic organization, which is also growing in Indonesia, the Hizbut Tahrir, of Indonesia and others, firstly should be understood within the context of political openness in Indonesia. First, Islamic expression in politics has been oppressed by the new order or government, and the fall of the new order brought the long oppressed voices to the force. And secondly, some of radical voices have been expressed toward the rampant social ills within both the state, uh, both the state and the society. 
especially on corruption and the rise of vices such as prostitution, gambling, gambling and crimes. In other words, it is a direct response to inability of the state to create a society based on morality and religious uh, ethics. This is, uh, in my observation, uh, one of the main cause of the emergence of the radical Islam in the country. Thirdly, as the third fact, uh, factor, the rise of Islamic radicalism should also be understood within the context of, of contemporary world politics. For example, there is a deep-seated feeling among the Muslim community worldwide, as I said, including in Indonesia, that the United States has not been balanced in its policy toward the Middle East and the Islamic world. So the rise of radicalism is primarily more a function as a reaction against this global injustice in the way the world power handles global issues. If these unbalances and injustices continue, it will encourage radicalization among certain Muslim groups, including in Indonesia. But there is another trend in Indonesian Islam, in addition to spiritual Islam, radical Islam. Uh, the third trend in of, uh, Indonesian Islam is the mainstream. This trend belongs to the established Islam, to the nationwide established Islamic organization, uh, who are older, as a matter of fact, uh, than the Republic, represent, represented mainly by the two largest Islamic organizations, Muhammadiyah and Nahdlatul Ulama, or NU. Muhammadiyah founded 1912 uh, and NU was founded 1926, who have been struggling since the beginning of the 20th century to establish a modern and moderate Indonesian Islam. The importance of Muhammadiyah and NU has been a continuation of the trend over the last 15 years. The two groups have played a considerable role, I mean Muhammadiyah and NU, not only as moderative force in Indonesia society, but also as moral force that persistently strive for a better man of social life. We can aware that in the context of globalization, Religious organizations can play an important role in managing globalization, both in taping the benefits of the process and in addressing the negative aspects of it. Muhammadiyah, for example, if I may inform you, uh, has been at the forefront to promote education. Uh, we have up to now about 14,000 schools from elementary to high schools and about 169 high-learning institutions, including 57 university, universities, of course, by the Indonesian standard, medium and small size, 450 health services units, including 116 hospitals, even up to the kecamatan uh, level, that's below the, the district level, and orphanage, and also we launch uh, to have enterprises for economic empowerment of the people. But it has also been instrumental in promoting dialogues, not only among religious groups, but also between different civilizations, would guarantee harmony, peace, and justice in contemporary world. So in the last two years, for example, my organization, Muhammadiyah, uh, has, uh, co has been co-sponsor of the International Interfaith Dialogue 
uh, with the, our government, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, as well as the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade of Australia in Yogyakarta in the year 2004. And we just organized last February, Professor Bill was there for a moment, the East Asia Religious Leaders Forum, bringing together 200 religious leaders from uh, 10 religious communities, the existing religious uh, religions in East Asia region from 18 uh, countries of uh, East Asia. And uh, we also involved, we get involved in the International Interfaith Dialogue, uh, sponsored or initiated by our government. And in the inter-civilizational dialogue, for example, I represent my organization in Indonesian Muslims to be a member of the newly established uh, forum or group in Moscow that's a group for strategic vision uh, Russia in the Islamic world. Bring together prominent leaders of Russia, including former Prime Minister Primakov, and 17, uh, 17 uh, leaders from 17 uh, Muslim countries uh, who are uh, former Prime Minister, former Minister of uh, uh, Foreign Affairs, and uh, there were only two non-former uh, prime ministers and uh, minister of foreign affairs, uh, uh, myself and one professor from Bangladesh, the president of the Bangladesh Academy of Science. So this kind of uh, uh, phenomena and development in the global context uh, that we get involved in uh, derive from our uh, vision that we need today a uh, new international order, peaceful, prosperous, and just new international order. And we need a balance between the power because uh, we don't want the hegemonic power to dominate and especially uh, uh, implemented a kind of unilateral approach in handling uh, many international issues, especially in the Muslim world. So if the first trend Radical Islam has a political inclination in its strict sense. Uh, and the second trend, spiritual Islam, practices a non-political and even anti-political orientation. The third trend of Indonesian Islam, uh, that's the mainstream, maintain a cultural approach and strategy for social change. The Islamic mainstream keeps balances between spiritualism and political activism on the one hand, and between spiritualism and rationalism on the other. If certain radical groups often engage in violent action and lean to extremism, the mainstream, the silent majority within the Muslim community, as represented by Muhammadiyah and Nahdlatul Ulama, maintain a moderation. It is still the fact, and will continue to be the fact, that the majority of Muslims in Indonesia is a moderate one, who despises violence as a means to resolve differences. As a mainstream, Muhammadiyah and NU will continue to ensure that Indonesia will remain a moderate Muslim country in the future. I'm coming to the uh, last part of my presentation, Islam and the future of democracy in Indonesia. So as I mentioned, Islam has played an important role in promoting democracy in Indonesia. The 1999 and 2004 general election including the direct presidential and vice president presidential election, as well as the ongoing general election for governors and bupatis in provinces and uh, kabupaten, have been operational because of the great political participation of Muslim masses. 
this is I would like to uh, retreat uh, uh, as uh, the first uh, point because of the great political participation of the Muslim masses. I think the voting turnout of the last uh, general election are higher, even uh, 90-94% of the total uh, voters. It can be said that democracy in Indonesia will not work without Muslim participation. And if Islam is seen as a threat to democracy, indeed, democratic values are inherent in Islamic teachings. Though there has been polemic among Muslim political thinkers as, as whether Islam is pro-democracy or not, yet, in my opinion, many Quranic verses and the prophetic tradition of Prophet Muhammad obviously suggest democracy. In Indonesian case, Muslim political thinkers and activists have been advocating democracy as the best form of governance. So this is maybe one of the uh, features of Indonesian Islam that we incline to democracy and prominent Muslim leaders from both Nahdlatul Ulama and Muhammadiyah, the two largest Islamic organizations, have reiter uh, reiterated that the Pancasila state, the current Indonesian state, based on the Pancasila, the vibe principle, is a final form of our uh, government. Muhammadiyah and NU are committed to ensure that democratization in Indonesia will consolidate. Islam in Indonesia is committed to ensure a pluralistic democracy within which Islam plays a prominent role in ensuring that democracy. They should be recognized as pillars of democracy. Muhammadiyah NU and NU have played important role as a super civil society group or a mega NGOs in campaigning for good governance. Muhammadiyah NU, for example, established since three years ago national moral movement for anti-corruption. Through thousands of its schools and higher learning institutions, Muhammadiyah included civic education, we include civic education in our curricula, and through its autonomous youth organization, Muhammadiyah teach non-violent education. All these works contribute to the strengthening of democracy in Indonesia. In short, the roles of Islam or the Muslim in strengthening democracy in Indonesia have been performed through various ways. Number one, of course, the ideological or theological affirmation that in uh, Islamic theology among the Muslim thinkers in Indonesia that Islam as compatible to democracy and democratic values are inherent in Islamic teaching, but also by supporting uh, judicial reform, encouraging good governance through our national uh, movement of anti-corruption and others. But we opt in our struggle for democracy to strengthen the cultural base because we do believe uh, strengthening and promoting democracy cannot only be done uh, through structural strategy and through political processes, but also, and the most important one, in our opinion, it's uh, through strengthening cultural base of the society for democracy, and also taking part in conflict resolution and promoting interfaith dialogue, as uh, explained uh, earlier. Uh, but one thing should be considered, and we cannot take, take for, uh, for granted the democratization process, will uh, undergo smoothly in the country, 
because uh, democratization process that necessitated political liberty and equality may face an obstacle by the existence of exclu ex uh, exclusivist tendency within a society. This ex ex exclusivistness, exclusivistness may derive from an absolute claim of truth, the unreadiness to live in peaceful coexistence and pluralistic and multicultural society, as performed by the, the, first, uh, uh, the second uh, trend, the radical Islam. In the Indonesian case, during the reform era, provided freedom which paved the way for political euphoria has to some extent encouraged segments of the society, including the Muslim community, uh, to behave exclusive, uh, exclusively and reject pluralisms. Exclusivist orientation among the Muslim community may serve as an obstacle to Islam, uh, Islam-led democracy in the country. Yet, since proponents of this tendency are minor minority, I don't, I don't have the exact number here, yeah? maybe less than uh, 100,000 people out of 180 million Muslims, in Indonesia, as Professor Bill, my organization represents 12% of the 180, but according to our statistics, maybe more than 12%. <laughs> okay, yet since proponents of this tendency are minor minority within a great silent majority of Islamic mainstream, that obstacle in our belief can be overcome. As concluding remarks, number one, I would like to state Islam is compatible to democracy and the Indonesian experience has clearly shown that compatibility. The new Indonesian democracy is primarily based on the inherence of democratic values in Islam, as well as the existence of democratic practices by Muslim societies in certain areas in the archipelago. And number two, the future of democracy in Indonesia is guaranteed by the significant and strategic roles of two largest Islamic organizations, Muhammadiyah and Nahdlatul Ulama, who have worked and are still working to encourage democratization process through mainly strengthening cultural base within Indonesian society. Thank you very much. Again, I'll keep you up here to answer questions, and I'll let you answer them yourself. Uh, as you were talking, I, I realized that um, that I hadn't also put in my introduction that you have a Ph.D. from UCLA. Uh, <laughs> I talked about your fine education in Indonesia, but not about your fine education in the United States, or that Leonard, ba Leonard Binder, uh, who is a political scientist known to many people uh, in this room, was the chair of your dissertation committee. And I, I was thinking about that as you were talking because it's true I asked you to talk as an activist, um, and you did talk as an activist, although I'm not sure uh, how many people in the room will be aware of all of the things that you said that had activist implications. But you were also talking as a scholar, uh, as somebody who is standing back and looking at the panoply of Indonesian organizations and ideas. And I don't know if UCLA had anything uh, to do with that, uh, but it was certainly a nicely done scholarly presentation. But we're now going to have uh, a question and answer period, and I'll let you come back up here and just call on whomever you want to. Don't give me tough questions. <laughs> okay. uh, I was glancing through your news clippings that we had, and uh, there was a brief uh, story about the reaction to the uh, uh, cartoons uh, publication in uh, Denmark. And I was wondering if you could expand a little bit on 
sort of um, yes. uh, your group's uh, engagement in that, and also um, sort of a, your perception of it seems to have come out of the news, so we don't hear much as much now about protests. And, and I'm, I'm curious, you know, where you see that standing right now, and what are the longer term? Yes, uh, it's true. It's quite different from our reaction to the American invasion on Iraq, which brought more than one million people, not only Muslims, but all elements of the nation, uh, to the street of Jakarta. And I happen to be the initiator of that rally. I invite a hundred elements of the nation to the Muhammadiyah that we should show our solidarity to the Iraqi people uh, protesting the American invasion on Iraq, not because of we hate the American, we love the American, but we reject the American government foreign policy on Islamic countries. So it's uh, famous with Aksi Sejuta Umat, one million uh, people rally, but quite different with the case of the cartoon depicting, uh, depicting uh, Prophet Muhammad by the uh, Danish media and also just last month by the Italian media eh, of the same uh, of the same kind because we don't want uh, such situation in the Indonesian context as I said fragile society political euphoria and uh, they are dividing uh, uh, societies into many many groups and also we don't want religious dimension to enter our country because as uh, I don't know maybe in in Iran eh, the reaction from the Muslim people by burning the Danish flag where there is a cross on the flag and then could uh, bring religious dimension to be clash between Islam and Christianity or moreover if uh, I may to say I may say that we want a dialogue and cooperation among civilization. We don't subscribe to, uh, to Huntington thesis about the clash of civilization. Though Saipul Muzani, Bill, a disciple, <laughs> students, a PhD graduate from uh, Ohio State University, conduct research that there is an embryo of clash civilization in Indonesia. Uh, I don't I forget the the, the figure the statistic. Uh, but very significant uh, number of anti-Americanisms in the Muslim world, including in Indonesia. But then, coming back, we want dialogue and uh, cooperation among civilization. This was the theme of the, of the United Nations. I was uh, last year in the United Nations for the interfaith uh, dialogue uh, about uh, possible dialogue and cooperation among civilization. And then we suggest our government, Minister of Foreign Affairs, to... Uh, issue the very stand of our government, the Indonesian, uh, Indonesian government, and the minister uh, was doing his job, and then it's enough for us. I was uh, invited by the minister during the breakfast foreign policy uh, among, uh, with, uh, together with uh, many religious leaders, and uh, during the press conference after the minister, I said, we have conveyed the message. This is the most important things. We want the Western the European, especially the Danish people, uh, to understand our feeling that that cartoon really hurt our feeling, uh, but uh, the reaction should should not be in 
should be uh, should not be a excessive one uh, uh, because of the domestic situation in our country and i don't know uh, whether it give uh, influence to the masses uh, especially to the so called hard liners uh, islam or the radical groups in in our country So, Fabil, I'm a moderator. You are a moderator. Okay. You are suggesting to the government, or no, I'm, I'm, I'm not a government I'm official. Okay. What the best choice for the government? Maybe that's uh, your question. To what extent is Islam a threat to non-Muslims? Or is the state is actually uh, weakening or 
Yes. If I should focus on the question behind the, I think, elaboration. Thank you for that, and I agree with you. But regarding the possible stand and approach of the state toward the Muslim community, as an activist, <laughs> a Muslim leader, because yeah, I still uh, have a position as a deputy chairman of the MUI, Indonesian Council of Ulama, which is umbrella organization of all Islamic organizations in the country. Uh, of course, uh, we just want the state, the government, to recognize the Muslim community as well as other communities and elements of the society in uh, just and proportional ways. No injustice. And maybe this is, uh, I am inspired by the very teaching of Islam that preach justice, justice. And this is the call of the, all the preachers during the Friday uh, sermon to call for justice. We don't want all kind of injustices, discrimination, as happened in the past during the first two decades of the Suharto era, though the Muslims then was, uh, were enjoying harmonious relationship with the state in 1980s, in the last decade of the Suharto regime, this is the result of what I call it struggle from within, the strategy we decide uh, among the Muslim intellectuals. So, Pabir, uh, among the three possible theories, theoretical framework about the relationship between Islam and the state during the New Order regime, uh, number one is cooptation, uh, including Don Emerson uh, in his article, Islam and regimes in Indonesia is co-opting whom? This debt co-optation by the regime over the Muslim interest and accommodation. This may be the from Ohio uh, uh, School of Thought. Eh? <laughs> accommodation, eh? followed by uh, uh, observer like Afan Gavar and others in the country. But there is the third uh, theoretical framework and explanation also uh, proposed by uh, Ohio State University graduate Bahtiar Effendi, this uh, integration, meaning the Muslim group integrated through penetrative integrative orientation uh, from the marginal position toward the center of the state. So this kind of harmonious relationship uh, was happening, though this project and agenda uh, struggle from within. I was part of that agenda, recruited by the Golkar as head of Department of Research and Development, eh? Uh, and many other HME, uh, Indonesian uh, Association for Muslim Intellectuals, uh, people uh, joining the bureaucracy in that time, were then, uh, because of the reform era, the reform process, uh, we were in that uh, time as uh, supporters of Suharto, as uh, the antec of the new order, yeah? but uh, I don't care with that labelization. But coming back, yeah? Coming back to our situation, uh, to our situation now, we want uh, the government, the state, to uh, treat all elements not like in the past, especially in uh, uh, in the field of economy, because Muslims organization like uh, mine, the Muhammadiyah, that we had in the past relatively strong position in, in economy in entrepreneurship, and this is the main factor. Uh, brought Muhammadiyah to disseminate uh, in all the archipelagos and our cultural movement 
uh, was supported by the uh, uh, relatively uh, economic uh, level. But because of the modernization of Indonesia that adopt global capitalism based on economic growth has only brought about a conglomerate and certainly destroyed our position and, and economy. So we want the government to have such kind of fairness and uh, justice to us. So we don't want, as a Muslims, uh, be a majority group in Indonesia, not 87, but 88.2%. <laughs> this is the last census in the year 2000. Uh, though I have to say uh, the annual growth rate of Islam is Muslim is lower, only 1.2% as compared to annual growth rate of Christians uh, that gain a reach at 2.4%, especially in the eastern part of Indonesia. Okay. Uh, we don't want uh, Indonesia to be an Islamic state. This is for sure. As I mentioned also earlier, uh, leaders from both NU Muhammadiyah has, have stated Indonesia as final. Pancasila state is final. Uh, maybe because of we feel that we have contribution uh, to the establishment of the Indonesian state through the struggle for independence. Uh, Muhammadiyah became backbone for the Indonesian struggle for independence uh, during the 20s, 30s, uh, uh, 40s, and on the eve of the independence. So therefore, we don't want an Islamic state. Even we don't agree with the implementation of the Sharia Islam, Islamic Sharia. But uh, we don't mean that we reject Sharia Islam. Sharia Islam is Islamic values, teachings, tenets, and it's obligation for Muslims to implement the Sharia Islam. It's a religious obligation, as in many other religious, uh, many other religions, there is a Sharia. But we don't want the Sharia Islam to be reduced into Islamic law, or hudud, in a, a technical Arabic term. Yeah. It's a reduction of Islam. So we don't support the implementation of Sharia Islam in the form of legal, formal, formalistic uh, approach. So, once again, what we want from the, the government in terms of democracy, just to launch a democracy in its uh, genuine sense, maybe majority rule, to appreciate the existence of majority group, yeah. though we also agreed with a meritocracy and political recruitment. Yeah. But please give us opportunity. I think the reaction from the Muslim uh, community, uh, Islamic organization, uh, especially to toward uh, the regime, because of the regime or the government inclination to the world power in solving many uh, problems in the Muslim world, especially in the era of uh, Megawati, President Megawati, Sukarno Putri, uh, for example. You know. So a very simple way to handle the issues uh, in Indonesia domestically, yeah, if we can carve the very cause root of radicalization, of terrorism. Of course, terrorism has no root in Islam. We have to cut the very root, root cause of terrorism. It's global injustice and also many cause root of radicalization. That's my great concern. If the government, if the state, uh, carp and put 
Muslim community in the corner of the national arena like in the past, I think will encourage radicalization and then will bring to us as uh, established Islam uh, possible internal conflicts. That's why I reject all the suggestion from uh, many uh, prominent international uh, envoys came to me between 2002-2005, including uh, Dr. Samantha from the White House, advisor to the White House, and envoy of the uh, Australian Prime Minister, and the uh, President of the Green Party. They have the same suggestion in, in insisting to us for Muhammadiyah, NU, even MUI, that's the umbrella organization, to come forward confronting the radicals. And I always say, we don't agree, and we have our own way, an Indonesian way, an Islamic way to handle the problem, because we don't want uh, such kind of uh, internal conflict to happen within our, our community. Fear, fear by whom? By the non-Muslims? Maybe the questions are connected. Mm. Uh, you know, because Dina asked about the state. She said, isn't there a problem that the, that the new state is too weak? So Marco, after all, was trying to build a strong authoritarian state. And now the new state is too weak. And doesn't it look like radical Muslims are getting their way way too often? And that for ordinary Protestants and Catholics and other non-Muslims down on the ground, this looks like democracy looks like it also brings in, could bring in a reign of terror against them. Yes, well, I was uh, giving speech during the national deliberation of the Protestant churches in Jakarta. Uh, I was surprised that the Christians are fear from the Muslims, especially from the Islamization process, maybe Islamization the political arena. But then I told the audience, the Christian priests, about 500 from uh, all over the provinces, that also the Muslims are fear from the Christianizations because of the annual growth rate of Christians are higher than, than the Muslims. So therefore, let's work together to get rid of our fear from uh, our partners. So, but you, you are right. Not only the non-Muslims, but also the Muslims masses are fear from uh, violent radicalisms, especially when the destroyed bars, the discotic, and even in the month of Ramadan, the holy month of Ramadan, and even uh, attack and destroy the compound complex of the Ahmadiyya and other uh, groups, for example. So from our side, we never tolerate all kinds of violent action. I give a strong uh, statement uh, criticizing the FBI, the Islamic Defending, uh, Defense uh, Front, 
who destroyed the barns in south of Jakarta during uh, last Ramadan uh, before. Uh, that's against Islam. Yeah. So what happened? They came to look for me to MUI, to Muhammadiyah. I was out of the country. I was out, uh, out of town. And uh, they called me by phone. We talked by phone. And uh, they still call me Abang, senior brother. Who, uh, why you didn't uh, uh, make a re, uh, confirmation, reconfirmation, tabayun, to find, to investigate. No, I don't need tabayun or investigation. It's the fact on the media that you destroyed uh, bars during the months of Ramadan. It's again Islam, the very teaching of Islam, which emphasizes love, mercy, and peace. And then what happened? Tomorrow will come to your headquarters, Muhammadiyah headquarters, with great number of demonstrants. And uh, scream on the phone, what time and how many people? <laughs> the next day, they didn't uh, appear uh, to, to our headquarters. So really, and connected, connecting to the role of the state, I think it's true to some extent that the current democratic Indonesian government and the state uh, is very weak. Maybe because of not of the era of reformation and the democratization process is undergoing in the country and all groups are enjoying freedom, but I think in our opinion is because of the lack, the lack of law enforcement by the state. And those groups, the radical groups, um, have uh, self-confidence to behave in such way. I have to tell you, it's because of the support from certain uh, apparatus who have, uh, have had kind of hobby in the Suharto regime, Suharto era. So most of, no, no, not most, 40 to 50, no, more than 50, 50 to 60 percent of the existing radical groups. There are about uh, 40 or uh, 50 in Jakarta area itself. I was uh, once invited them to the Indonesian Council of Ulama during the last uh, term of President Abdurman Wahid. Very interestingly, these radicals groups present, I think, 40, 45 groups. But one group represent by more than one person, two or three, five percent. When they introduce themselves, I am from Front uh, Laskar A. I'm Commander in Chief. On my right is uh, Head of Bureau of Logistics, and on my left is Head of Bureau of Intelligence. We have three uh, thirty thousand trained militia in the Jakarta area, 30,000, uh, 30,000 uh, 30, trained militia. So I count total in number, maybe 600,000. If I had uh, an, uh, a plan to be president, I can use them to occupy the street of Jakarta. So trained militia, maybe, maybe not, 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 not as, uh, as many as the claim. But uh, I got information that they are backed by certain uh, personnel from the intelligence bureau, from the apparatus, security apparatus, with the purpose, with political purpose, and then destroy the image of Islam. 
So we don't want uh, such a happening. Uh, we'll be in uh, our our community and therefore uh, persuade them not to use Islam. I do believe, as uh, I guarantee, uh, in the near future, through our persuasion, persuasive uh, socialization about uh, true Islam, modern Islam, modern Islam, and also by the law enforcement from the side of the state, I think there's very minor minority radical Islam will uh, will what to say will come to a median position like us. But give us the opportunity, and the important thing, help us not to create any uh, possible root cause of radicalization, not only in Indonesia, but also in the Muslim world. I do believe if there is genuine peace in the Middle East, uh, Middle East peace, and also no problem, no occupation in the Muslim world, including in Iraq, in Afghanistan, or no attack on Iran, I do believe that we are facing new, peaceful, prosperous, and just new international world order. Okay, thank, thank you. you very much. I think we should start there. Thank you. Thank you. The students in my class...